Ephesians chapter 1. We are looking at the framework of this letter. I've shared with you that this is God's bank account. The framework is that it is the ministry of the church and the body of Christ. The church was called the body of Christ. Israel has many of the same metaphors that the church has, but Israel was never called the body of God. And we're in a different era. I shared with you in the weeks, past weeks, that it has to do with between the 69th and 70th week of Daniel. Okay, the 70th week of Daniel is what you know as the seven years of tribulation. Uh, The 69th week of Daniel is when Messiah would be cut off. But nobody knew anything about that gap that is in there. And right now you are in that gap. I am in that gap. We are in what is called the church age. So if you would please follow with me at the reading of the word of God. Ephesians 1 verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, help your people who are called by your name understand this. Father, this is an amazing, an amazing book. And just these two verses lay out things here that most of us read just as his introduction and we don't pay attention to. And Father, you are showing great and mighty things in just these two small verses. Help us to have ears to hear in Christ Jesus. Amen. I shared with you last week that there are many manuscripts that are the book of Ephesians. And they compare them all, and that's a part of the reason of the process of canonization. How does a book get written and classified into the Bible? Well, how many manuscripts do you have of it? And how close together are they? One of the things that is very strange about the manuscripts that we have called Ephesians is that in some of the manuscripts, there's a blank where it says, at Ephesus. Okay, And if you think about this letter, if you read through this letter, you'll realize that he's not dealing with any location and or specific problems and or specific people. So you technically could take this letter and present it to any church. So you could literally say to the saints who are at Castle Rock. Without any problem whatsoever. Because there's not a, if you remember, Wednesday nights we're studying First Thessalonians, there were individuals named in it. Well, those individuals don't attend here. Okay? So you knew that that was written for a specific case. If you go back to the Corinthian letters, there were dealing with situations among the Corinthians that uh, we're not dealing with. We don't have... The problems that they have. And you could tell that he was dealing with certain specifics. Okay. So this letter here. Is a letter that. God shows of what he has lavished upon us. Who are in the body. This is one of the amazing things that I see today. Is in my travels abroad. I don't see it. But when I have been in the United States. I see it. People don't understand what it means to be in the body of Christ. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, for a Christian to not be in church is a punishment. 
And yet, think about how many that you and I know who aren't in church. And, and, and they're quite comfortable with it. I remember the first couple of times I went to Russia, Sundays, these people would show up 4.35 o'clock in the morning and have, they were, the kids was trying to strengthen the other kids for the memorization and, and they were expositing Galatians. The junior high kids were doing the middle schoolers and the senior high kids were doing the junior high kids. And I'm just sitting and, and I mean, this is before church. And then I realized that on Sundays, nobody left the building. They had Sunday school in the morning. They had a worship service. Then they all ate together. Then they all studied together. And then they had evening worship together. And they spent the whole day together. Because they understood that outside of the body was where the enemy were. So why would I want to be out there and spend more time with the enemy than with the saints? So that was just something that has always been amazing to me. And, and I share this because this letter is written to the body of Christ. And we have a fullness that I am convinced we are unaware of. We don't pay attention to it. We don't know what we have or possess. Nor do we realize we can't spend it all. It's not like you're going to use it up. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. I shared with you last week, moving through this, that we come, if you just do a, a cursory study of this, Paul starts this letter out in two verses, and I call it a double barrel. Okay? I had a friend of mine had a double barrel shotgun, 12 gauge magnum shotgun. Breakdown. Okay? Savage. And it was the strangest gun I ever fired in my life. Okay, because we were shooting clay pigeons. And every time you shot it, okay, you pull the trigger, the front forearm come off, it broke open and kicked out the shells. And I mean, it just did that just like that quick. You didn't do anything. It just, boom! And you oh, look, we've got things everywhere. And the first time I shot it, I thought the thing blew up on me. I was like, oh, great. Am I still alive? You know, and he says, isn't that cool? And I said, why don't you take it to Savage and have it fixed? And he says, no, man. He says, I like to look at everybody's face when they shoot it. <laughs> and I was like, well, whatever. <laughs> so just don't take it duck hunting because you're only going to get one shot. <laughs> so anyway, Paul gives us double barrel right out of the chute here. Paul, this man God took, who was a persecutor of the faithful and he turned him around and he made him an apostle all right and in just these two verses he gives you twice of everything if you look at his authority it's a double barrel we got verse one i'm an apostle of christ jesus by the will of god it's Christ Jesus and the will of God. Just in case you were wondering, those two always agree. Did you know that? All right. So if it was by the will of God that Paul become an apostle, then Jesus Christ would say, I'll go get him on the Damascus road. And it worked. And Paul states 
right off the shoot, this double dose of authority. That's what I'm trying to get people to understand when we look at this letter. Do you understand the fullness of God the Father and Christ Jesus? This is their will. And they present to you, a true believer, the sealing of the Holy Spirit as proof. So if you think about an apostle, I'm not going to really deal with it because I told you that an apostle is a sent out one. We had looked at Matthew chapter 10. Remember, he had his disciples and then they were his apostles. Okay, a disciple is a learner. You teach them and an apostle is a sent out one. Okay. So if I look at the definite article apostle with a capital A, then they have five things that they had a task to do. All right. That you can find biblically. One, preach the gospel. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 17. Two, teach and pray. Acts chapter six, verse four. Three. Do miracles, 2 Corinthians 12, 12. Four, build leaders for the church, Acts chapter 14, 2 and 3. Five, write the word of God. Ain't that what he's doing right here? Ephesians 1. So, preach, teach, pray, do miracles, build leaders, and write the word of God. That is the task of an apostle. What did Paul do? He preached, he taught, he prayed, he did miracles, he built leaders, and he wrote the Word of God. All right? That is the task of the apostle. And Paul's authority was twofold. By will of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's double barrel authority. Okay? But there's also in this text a double-barreled description of believers. Look what he calls them. To the saints at Ephesus who are faithful. So the double description of a believer is that they are a saint and they are faithful. This is amazing to me. The reason is this covers both sides of redemption. Okay, now I, I watch people and, you know, they get into the predestination and the election and man's will and all the rest of it. And they tie themselves all up in these kind of theological yoga things. And I'm like, why do you want to make it so stinking hard? If you have faith, where'd you get it? From God. If you seek me, what? You will find me. All right. Well, who puts the heart in there to seek? Okay. So it's still the same coin. It's both sides. God's side. Hagias. Saint. Holy one. That's God's side. The other side. We exercise faith. Because we have faith. We are holy. Because we are holy. We have faith. So we are a saint and we are faithful. We are saints. That is a divine definition. That is God's perspective of believers. We are saints. We are faithful. That is the human side 
That is the human definition. Because we have, are full of faith, we have been made saints. When you see the word saints, think holy. To the holy ones. To the holy ones. Yeah, I know. Some of them don't act holy. It doesn't change it. If you see someone who's acting holy, then you know that they're standing in their faith. If you see someone who's not acting holy, then you know that they have a very weak faith. That ain't, do you see that? that is, this is not this complicated. I watch people do, well, I don't understand. Well, it's easy. If I look at what God has lavished on me in the book of Ephesians, then I understand where the faith comes from and the holiness came from. Okay, now listen, we are saints. Now, this does not mean we are little statues. All right, I heard a guy call it one time, plastered Christians. And I was like, no, we're not plastered Christians. But I've also heard it this way, canonized Catholics. All right, and we ain't that either. If you are a believer, you're not waiting to become a saint. Okay, you do not have some hierarchy somewhere who decides whether you are a saint or not. You are a saint. God's will has made you a saint. And you have shown you're a saint because of your faith. Okay. A saint is anyone. Anyone. I don't care how theologically strong they are or how morally strong they are. Anyone who is in Christ is a saint. Okay? That's amazing if you think about it. Listen, when you get a new believer, you cannot expect them to start all of a sudden understanding dispensational theology. Because I don't even understand it. Okay, but it's a cool word. But I, I share that because we have, we sometimes, what happens to us is that we have been walking with the king for a while and we run into someone who's new or hasn't ever been strengthened and all of a sudden we condemn them. Well, if God brings one of those into your life, you know what you should be doing? Strengthening him or her. This, this isn't, and I, I, I don't understand why we struggle with this. I mean, because I got news for every one of you. Well, let's hope that you're stronger in the Lord today than you were last Sunday. And that you are stronger in the Lord today than you were five years ago or ten years ago. However long it's been. Because he will show himself faithful. I was reading about Noah this morning. What a trip he is. Okay, he said he walked with God. He was righteous. And you read that and you're like, what? And I, and I thought about this for a minute. God said, hey, I want you to build me a boat. You know what Noah's response was? All right. No, I want you to build me like a really big boat. Like a battleship sized boat. You know what Noah's response was? All right. Because it's going to rain and flood. You know what's amazing about that phrase? Noah had no idea what rain or flood was. 
had never seen either one of them. And you think about it, he took him 120 years of preaching while he builds this boat, and all the people are looking at him like he's a blooming idiot. And you know what? Where he was living and building a boat that big, I would say, you're an idiot. I remember a guy, a friend of mine one time, he built him a custom motorcycle in his basement. And that's where it stayed. He couldn't get it out. He'd start the thing up. He'd just sit there and idle, prettiest looking motorcycle I've ever seen. I was like, how are you going to get it up the stairs? He looked at me with this look that says, uh-oh. He had to take the thing all apart again. Take it up the stairs. Put it all back together again. I said, but you're getting good at it. Okay. Noah was doing the same thing. Let me go out in the desert and build a boat for a great flood. But he did it. Why? Faith. And you know what? God proved him faithful. All right. Anyone who is in Christ is a saint. A saint is anyone who is a Christian. Because of that, every one of us have been made holy. Every one of us have been set apart unto God. Every one of us. Every one of us has been made righteous in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now think about that for a second. You have been clothed in Christ's righteousness, Colossians tells us. Okay, so what standard of righteousness is that? Perfection. So when Paul starts this letter out to the saints who are in Ephesus, he's saying to those who look like Christ in Ephesus. Then if you take Ephesus out of there and put any congregation in there, you have to go, whoa. Whoa. We are all saints from God's side. And the reason that we are? We are faithful. We are faithful. Noah was faithful. Noah's listed in the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11. He was faithful. God said, he said, all right, it's going to rain. What's rain? You'll know it when it comes. I know here, here in Colorado, what is rain? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm taking my water hose, squirting in the air, sticking my head under it as it falls back to the earth. and says, I remember that once, nine months ago. So we act faithful in Christ. That is the double description of believers. So Paul had double authority and he doubles it up for describing Christians. We are saints. We are holy ones. We are set aside unto God. And we exercise our faith because of the holiness of God covering us. We have believed in Christ. Because we have believed in Christ He has made us holy. We are as set apart unto God as Jesus Christ was set apart unto God. Now think about that. You could stop this letter right now and think, man, what a beginning. What a beginning. We have double. He had double the authority, the Apostle Paul, by the will of God through Christ Jesus. 
Double description of believers. But he ain't done. He ain't done. Verse 2. Grace to you and peace. Grace to you and peace. You know, when I have traveled outside of the country, whether it's been Russia, I, I did it when I a little stop in Germany, uh, some time in London, in Azerbaijan. I always make a note to myself. Okay. Um, it's two things that I do when I travel abroad. I get me a bunch of $2 bills. Okay, because that just messes with them people. They, every time I give one out as a tip, that's what I tip people with is a $2 bill. And every time you give them one, they think you just gave them something phony. And, it, and it's, it's funny, but it allows you to have a conversation with them. Okay, the other thing that I do is I never say hello or how are you or anything like that. I always say this, grace to you. And it freaks people out. If I run into believers and I'm in a church, I will always start with grace to you and peace. What a greeting. Grace to you and peace. It's a double blessing and just a greeting. Very typical greeting for the time. Grace, charis. Charis is kindness of God to undeserving people. Chorus, the saints, the faithful, they would say, always say grace to you. Okay, you could use the example that says, as you greet someone, if I say grace to you, you could be saying, I want to be gracious to you. But there's also a theological meaning to it. Listen, to a believer, when someone says grace to you and peace, or grace and peace to you. It means something in their faith as a reminder that they were what they were by God's grace. Let me remind you who you are. See, when we meet people today, what do we say? Hello. What does that just mean? I don't, you know, hello. What does that mean? And it's, it's not really fulfilling if you think about it. Hello. Sometimes we'll say, how are you? Well, my mom and dad met one time and they got them together and here I are. Okay. So that's how I am. Well, how do you feel? My hands. Well, how are you doing? Doing what? What a difference those are from grace to you and peace. God's loving grace to us. God's graciousness to us. See, and if you greeted the brethren that way, it would be a constant reminder that we are what we are by Grace. By grace. We, the whole community of believers that make up the church is all built on grace. The whole thing is grace. 
I remember reading somebody, and I can't remember who it is, but it's always stuck in my head. And it is a quote, but forgive me, I don't don't know who. The quote was, grace is the foundation of all blessings. I thought, yeah, that's, that's, that's. So it's one of them really smart people that I read every once in a while. You know, other than comic books, I'll occasionally read somebody. Ah, that guy's like really smart. Everything that we have is out of God's grace. Everything comes through God's grace. It's a reminder. When you greet a brethren, grace to you. You are what you are by God's grace. Grace to you and peace. And then I guess after that, you give them a holy kiss. That's what it says. Greet them with a holy kiss. And everybody says, well, what's a holy kiss? The opposite of an unholy kiss. That's not hard. Unless you're in Russia. Some of them guys over there, man, I just that's just some creepy stuff. I don't care if it is a cultural thing. Some old hairy dude wants to kiss me on the mouth. I'm like, wait a minute, dude. We are not in that town. So, <laughs> and, uh, and I've gotten busted with it a couple of times. They'll catch me off guard because usually I'll give them a cheek. But every once in a while, they oh, God, he got me. <laughs> Guess that's what I get for saying grace to you. It's double-barreled, though. Grace, karyos, God's un. Merited favor. And then the other word that you see there in the Hebrew is shalom. Shalom. Arthea in the Greek. Arthea or shalom. Okay. Grace is the foundation, as the guy said, that I can't remember who he was. But I would say that peace is the stream that it comes through. Because I have the grace from God, we have peace with God. That's a pretty good start for blessings if you think about it. When you greet someone, try it. Grace to you and peace. Okay? Because I know in this country they're going to fall over. What was that? Okay? In Russia, you go to the churches there. Being that there's a language difference, you say grace to you and peace. And the interpreter says something that I hope was grace to you and peace. Or even, yeah, even Azerbaijan was that way. They speak Russian and Azeri. And Azeri, I, there's no way I could ever keep up. That's sort of a mingling of the Russian language and Chinese. And you're like, I don't, I don't know what you just did. But I don't think I can make that noise. What a wonderful reminder to the brothers, sisters. Grace to you. You are what you are by grace. And because of that grace, peace, shalom, shalom. What you'll find if you do it here in America, I met a guy Thursday. Of course, I was studying this. Nice guy. His wife has some kind of counseling thing. So I met him. He's sort of like the uh, computer guy for it to... I, how do you get, how do you use a computer in counseling? But I didn't want to get into that. And I, he introduced himself, give me his name. I said, my name's Terry, grace and peace to you. And he just stepped back like, what? 
And you know what he said to me? Why'd you say that? Then I told him. And he's a believer. I'd met his dad. His dad came here a couple of times. Um, a few months ago. Then I told him. God's offering grace. So that you may have his peace. You ever wondered what really troubles God? Causes him to lose peace? You ever thought about that? What is there that can go on out there that can cause him to, oh no! There's nothing out there, is there? So when you find someone who is faithful and who is in the holiness of God, they will have that what? Peace of God. That surpasses understanding. No matter what's going on, they are at peace. That, what I, did you hear what I said? No matter what is going on, they are at peace. Uh, there are times in my walk that I have fallen into that situation and people got mad at me because they said, well, he just doesn't care. No, I just don't get excited about it. I care a lot. But the thing is, God's in control. I mean, because I was having people asking me on Tuesday, did you vote? I said, yeah, I voted six months ago. They said, what? And I said, yeah, I fill these things out as quick as I can get them. And then they look at you like, what? <laughs> but anyway, I said, yeah, I voted. And they said, well, what do you think? Who do you think is going to win? I said, only one ballot matters. And he says, what? I said, yeah, who does God want? When he casts his vote, that's what you're going to get. And he's like, wow, I never thought about that. But see, we get ourselves so wound up in it. You know, I watch people who will listen to radio or watch certain TV programs, the news and things like that. And all of a sudden they're mad. Well, turn the stupid thing off. Okay? I mean, if it's going to make you mad, turn it off. Listen, I don't turn it off because I get a chuckle out of it. You're making all of your plans and you ain't talking to my Savior. You're going to look like a fool. Okay? Why? Because of His grace in my life, I have His peace. And I don't care who gets elected. It didn't really matter to me. I did my duty uh, my son-in-law's in the military. My son's in the military. I did my duty be, due to them. Okay? They're in the military. Aaron's in the military. Do your duty. Vote. And, you know, then I'm going to tell everybody if you didn't vote, guess what? Don't complain. I had a friend of mine. He's in glory. He had a bumper sticker that says, don't vote for any of them. And it only encourages them. <laughs> and I thought, there's a part of me that thought, you know, that's probably true. But anyway. So we have His grace that gives us His peace. That's our blessing. So we have this double-barrel authority. We have this double-barrel description of Christians. We have this double-barrel blessing. But we also have double-barrel source for the peace and the grace. Look what it says. Grace to you and peace from who? God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is all of this fullness in just two verses. 
What tremendous riches are coming. All from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We all understand God the Father. But you know what? We read the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize what that word means? Curious, Lord. You know what that is, right? King, ruler, sovereign. Christ. You know what that means, right? It's the Greek word for Messiah, anointed. Jesus. You know what that name means? Savior. The sovereign, anointed, Savior. And we read it just like it's no big deal. The sovereign, anointed, Savior. One little footnote I will give you as I conclude this. The word you see there, and you know how I am. Give him one word and he'll be there for a month. But I'm going to let you off the hook. God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The word and. I know, you guys are like, are you kidding me? And. It's Kai. And. You know what it means in the Greek? We use it as a conjunction. They use it as a conjunction. You know what it means? You know what a conjunction is? Brings things, two things together. In the Greek, Kai means equal. Equal. Think about that for a second. God the Father, equal with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's kind of awesome, isn't it? Little bitty word. And yet, when I think about Scripture, people say, well, how do you know that it's God-breathed? Dude, have you not read? Read the thing. Read the thing. I pray that we might understand God's grace so that we may be overwhelmed in our possession of His peace. Because if you're in His grace, Paul told Timothy in his last dying letter, he says, stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I pray that we stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus so that the whole world will see the peace of God regardless of what is happening. Because we are a part of His church. I see Christians who are outside of the fellowship and their lives are miserable. And they just a hair difference between them and the lost people. And that's the reason. They don't understand what they possess in the body of Christ. So, that is the message of the letter of Ephesians. Therefore, we have at our disposal God's infinite riches. No, we're not waiting to get them in glory. We have them now. We possess them now. And that's what we're going to learn through the letter to the church in Ephesus, or to the body of Jesus Christ. It's going to be exciting. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, uh, for the Apostle Paul and his faithfulness to your will and the power of God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that his sole purpose in life was you. 
And he shared that in his words. He shared that in his walk. And in all of his ministry. I thank you, my king, for this amazing letter. I thank you for the amazing things that you do at a moment-by-moment basis in each of our lives. Father, with the chaos of this world and the way it is right now, Father, your peace shines brighter than maybe ever before on the planet. May we see this. May we reflect this. May we understand what is at our disposal is your infinite riches. Wow. Thank you, Father. Thank you. In Christ's name, amen.